Hello and welcome to This is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow and this is September 1989. I'm joined today by Orly Morella. Hi Orly. Hi. And Orly, you have some big news. I've heard that even though your, I guess your primary band, Fun Yeti, is still on hiatus, right? You are back in action with a side project. Yes, that's true. I am singing in Flora Majora, and they are a branch of the Punk Rock Collective, the PDX Punk Rock Collective, and we are playing Night of the Living Shred, which is a Riveters benefit for the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. So it's going to be like costume party. Wow. Four bands. Sounds like fun. Yeah. All ages. Good cause. Yeah, absolutely. So you're doing punk rock cover songs? Is that what I'm understanding? We're doing punk rock cover songs, all lady fronted, like late 70s, early 80s bands. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I will be there. Okay. (laughs) You may remember September 89 as the month that Paul Abdul's cold hearted snake topped the charts. No. That's oh. not how I remember. You may you may remember September 1989 as the month that Uncle Buck was the number one movie in America. I did love me some Uncle Buck. Yeah, that's for sure. It that brought giant it brought pancake. the world Macaulay Culkin. He was so cute. He was a cutie, wasn't Those, he? Those like red lips. <laughs> <laughs> that's not where I was going with that, but sure. He has really red lips. Okay, so when we start. September 1989, the Hoodoo Gurus Come Anytime is still in the number one spot, and it's going to remain there for the first two weeks in September. Come anytime. Thank you. <laughs> Just uh, for those of you who forgot about last last episode, a little Just refresher. A, yeah, a little friendly reminder. But in the third week of September, the B-52s are back on top, this time with Love Shack. Yeah. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the history of B-52s because we talked about them last episode, but just very quickly, they formed in Athens, Georgia in 1976. Love Shack is from the B-52's fifth studio album, Cosmic Thing, and it was a very big hit. Yeah. Yeah. Not only did this reach number one on the modern rock charts, but it reached number three on the Hot 100. Yeah, that's up there. It was definitely a crossover hit. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to, between this song and Rome, Mm -hmm. uh, it was enough to bring the B-52's album all the way up to the number four spot on the album charts as well. Yeah. That's some pretty big success right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I remember the first time I heard Love Shack. This was back in middle school. So this probably would have been maybe 1993. Mm -hmm. And there were a group of dancers or cheerleaders or something, and they were doing a talent show. Mm -hmm. And... Me, having not been listening to music at all, I didn't know any of these popular songs. Yeah. So this first time I heard Love Shack, but it was also the first time that I heard the Humpty Dance. <laughs> and School appropriate. Well, that's the thing. I got to see the practice, the talent show uh-huh. practice before the real thing, and the vice principal shut them down. Oh, during the performance? Mm, I don't think it was during, but afterwards mm-hmm. he said, no Humpty Dance, not school appropriate. You need to change this mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I could be misremembering, but... That's the first time I heard, okay. heard Love Shack. A bunch of uh, cool kids dancing to it for the talent yeah. show. I could not tell you the first time I heard Love Shack. So I thought when I heard Love Shack for the first time in middle school, I thought the song was a little risque. I love the lyrics. I thought it was super fun, but the you know, my, my virgin ears, <laughs> not only was I 
totally scandalized by the Humpty Dance. Uh-huh. And I believe Baby Got Back as well. <laughs> but I, I do remember when I heard that. Love Shacks definitely <laughs> seemed to me like there's a shack out in the middle of somewhere, of nowhere, and people are just showing up and getting it on. Yeah, I was even more naive. I did not think that at all. I was like, this is a fun dance club. But I think that's the intention. I don't think it's like a hookup shack. I think it is a fun dance club. Oh. I think that's what the band was going for. Right. But I'm not the only person to misinterpret this because, and this is just a rumor, I can't substantiate this in any way. But you do want to make sure more people hear it. Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I have read on the internet. Oh, okay. So it's probably false. That Disneyland does not allow this song to be played at Disney weddings because it's too scandalous. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, Disney's all with the rules. Not really. Disney appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all, we all find out what tin roof rested. rested tin roof rested. Yeah. Then you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. someone's expecting. <laughs> oh, you knew that. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting because what I found also on the internet, uh-huh. this is where I do most of my research, right. the internet, is that fans all over the years have found. decided that tin roof rusted is a euphemism for being pregnant for being pregnant but you can't say pregnant if you're really you have to say expecting expecting <laughs> so yeah but according to the band that is just an urban legend and it what? means no such thing at all so i started to break that to you you know i was never that into it anyway no you weren't going around to your, all your friends Hey, girl, you tin roof rusted? Tin roof rusted. No, I like probably saw that on like pop-up video or something. Uh, I noticed you're not drinking tonight. Yeah. Tin roof rusted? Why would anyone say that? No. It's really awkward and long. Yeah, it's, it's like turning Japanese, right? It's, it's worse. <laughs> no, I mean in the sense that, it, that, that people proclaim that it means something and the band denies it completely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Yeah. It's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Turning Japanese, definitely about masturbation. Yeah. So the band does, however, say that Love Shack is about an actual shack, uh-huh. an actual building in Athens, Georgia, that some of the band members lived in and they wrote Rock Lobster in. Oh, it was like their squatter's loft? Like a squatter's party central. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, All right, sounds hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you mean like actually hot because it's in Georgia and it's a yeah, tin it sounds roof? sounds really hot uncomfortable yeah all these people sweaty yeah (laughs) let's go ahead and listen to it please although do we need to you've all heard the song you don't need to hear it i want to hear it i want to hear it too yeah it's good it's fun (laughs) here we go b52's love shack yeah That song rules. Yeah, that I love a, it. It's a lot of fun. So much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, do you have anything to say other than it's fun? It's uh, that's, that's what I have to say. It's no, fun. I was just like, I was shocked. We watched it too, that they were so much older mm-hmm. than I, you know, than I would imagine. Yeah. So I said this was their fifth album, but 
they weren't putting out albums super quickly. And like I talked about in our last episode, they had kind of an extended break following the death of one of their band members, and they weren't really sure that they were going to keep performing. Oh, uh-huh. And so it took them a while to come back around and decide to go forward with this album. Yeah. So you're right. They are um, getting a little older yeah. when this album comes out. I believe that most of them are in their late 30s. And I think, I guess I think we're highlighting a lot of people that are older. Mm-hmm. We haven't really necessarily talked about a lot of people's age, but I think we are hearing a lot of musicians who yeah, at this point are more mature. in their They're mid well established. 30s, late 30s, yeah. maybe even early 40s. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess just where the chart started, right? Yeah. I guess it's where music is that, that we had a big wave of people coming in in the late 70s and yeah. early 80s. And here we are at the end of the 80s. Still writing and, the end of that wave. Mm-hmm, and nothing totally new has really yeah. come up to replace it. Yeah. I think that song is interesting also, like when I was listening to all the different parts, Mm -hmm. how it's layered up and just, it's really fun to hear like strong harmonies. Mm -hmm. They sound like one voice. Yeah. It's really cool. And B-52s, they're notable for their kind of back and forth alternating vocals between Fred Schneider and the ladies. And they do it really well in this song. Really well. They work together nicely. Mm -hmm. There were some good horns in the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the horns were provided by a group of horn players called the Uptown Horns. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Uptown Horns. Yeah, but the Uptown Horns, they're uh, actually fairly well known because they provided horns on such songs <laughs> as James Brown's Living in America, Buster Poindexter's Hot, Hot, Hot. Whoa. And um, I think they're in the video for that too. The entire Rain Dogs album by Tom Waits. Wow. Yeah. When you say horns a bunch of times, I don't think of the musical instrument. I just think of like horns from an animal. I just picture oh, like, like a rhino. The downtown horns. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rhino horn, but in your pants. Is that what you're picturing? I was more picturing it like a like a unicorn horn, okay. but sure. Okay. <laughs> I've got a horn downtown. <laughs> downtown. Yes. Yeah. They knew there was something to it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> One more fun fact about the B-52s and Love Shack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like this is a, becoming a recurring theme. I love fun facts. This song was featured on an episode of The Simpsons. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Although in a, in a slightly different version. It was in an episode about Homer challenging people to duels and slapping Uh them in the face with a glove. (laughs) Okay. And the B-52s performed a modified version of their song called Glove Slap. (laughs) Glove Slap, baby. That's it. Yeah, exactly like that. Do you want to hear a clip? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, here we go. Glove Slap, baby, Glove Slap. That was good. I like that they actually recorded Glove Slap. It sounds just like Love Shack, except it's the B-52 singing Glove Slap. That's what the B-52s do. (laughs) Like, they go and they do stuff and they get around and make themselves seen and known. Why not? I love it. It's good. I enjoyed that. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. So, the next artist to come along and take the number two spot was Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. I don't do a good Jamaican accent, but I'm going to try. I want to hear it though. Do you have something to say? No, I'll, I'll, I'll try to. Well, bust you can just out. stick it in when I it. I think yeah, so. Okay. So, um, Ziggy 
Marley, mm-hmm. or if we can call him by his real name, David Marley. Uh, he is the eldest son of reggae legend Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. The rest of the Melody Makers are also his siblings. They're regular Jackson 5. Yeah, sort of. So it's it's um, two males, two females. Oh, really? All, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And they named themselves after the British music magazine, mm-hmm. Melody Maker. Yeah. And they formed all the way back in 1979 when I believe Ziggy was 10 years old. So Cute. Yeah. So when you said Jackson 5, you're not far off base yeah. there, right? It is. Yeah. So they put out a number of albums over the years. In 1988, they had kind of a breakthrough album with Conscious Party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Which won the, the Grammy for Best Reggae Album. I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah. And then in 1989, which is where we are, they followed it up with their album, One Bright Day. That's either their fourth or their fifth studio album, depending on how you want to count that. And it also won the Grammy for Best Reggae Album. It's like the only name anyone recognized, let's be honest. So you've got a Marley on the reggae ticket and it's a shoe-in. Is that what you're I suggesting? Kinda, yeah, I am suggesting. I'm saying it. Well, expect to hear from the Grammys, <laughs> the Grammys lawyer. I'm sorry. <laughs> the song we're going to hear is called Look Who's Dancing. Is it a baby voiced by Bruce Willis? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Ziggy actually sat this one out. It's uh, Bruce Willis and later Roseanne Barr steps in. That's right. That's Becca vocals. They both had musical careers. You're right. They did. Well, she's saying the, the Star National Spangled oh, yeah, Banner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Bruce Willis did have some an album or two. Oh, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. He gave it a shot with the singing. A real hard shot. He wanted it pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's not he's not alone. I think he plays harmonica. No, I mean Keanu Reeves is out there with Dog Star. (laughs) (laughs) You say that as if he's still doing that regularly, which he could be, but I doubt it, but I just like to say Dog Star. Yeah. (laughs) What about Jared Leto? Oh, that guy's he's doing it too, yeah. Russell Crowe. No, he's not doing it. Tim Curry? There's a lot of people that tried. Yeah, a lot of actors. Maybe that's what they always wanted to do, and now they're like, I've got this platform. I'm going to have my dream. Well, after the uh, Grammy-winning success of Bruce Willis and Roseanne Barr and the Melody Makers, (laughs) everyone else had to give it a shot. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't we just listen to it? Here we go. Look Who's Dancing, Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. Okay. Look who's dancing. Wagwan. What? Bredrin. Wagwan. What are you saying? I'm saying what's up. And Rasta. <laughs> nice. That's right. You got any more of that? Um, boy. You, <laughs> you don't know Samadaya Guanisi. <laughs> you sound like Jar Jar Binks. I'm sorry. It's the best I could do without I'll, going full I'll Irish. Know. Didn't Jar Jar get some flack for sounding... Uh, oh, yeah. Mm, Rasta? Maybe. No, oh, no, maybe it was like Pigeon small. English. Oh. Is that... I don't know. I mean, he sounded terrible. He's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you haven't practiced much. This is your first shot. You made it up to uh, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, that's not bad. I don't have a lot of Rasta experience. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think of the song? 
Well, it was too long. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I'll be honest, not a reggae fan. I do own Legend, Bob Marley's Legend, of course, because there's like at least 12 good songs on there. Sure. He's got some great songs. Yeah. That unfortunately are reggae. (laughs) <laughs> Stop. No, that I can totally get behind. Um, yeah, no, he's got some great songs for sure. Yeah. However, I was like, this is not modern rock mm-hmm. at all. Because if you're saying, you know, reggae is modern rock, then all of reggae has to be modern rock. But then as I listened to it a little bit more, mm-hmm. I've not heard reggae extensively, but I think most of the time reggae comes off as pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. And this felt like, more intense and like bigger beats and mm-hmm. more guitar. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's alternative reggae. Yeah. So one thing that listeners at home are not going to hear is the rap breakdown towards the end of the song. Yes. So if you listen to the song, there is a rap breakdown near the end, which seems to be a common component of reggae rock songs. Yeah, you mentioned that and I did not know that, but that's how little... I paid attention. Well, you know, oh, I, reggae rock songs. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. No doubt with uh, underneath it all, mm-hmm. they've got that rap. What about Three Eleven? Yeah. Well, speaking of Three Eleven, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up. I feel like the rap in "Look Who's Dancing" uh-huh. it has very similar flow uh-huh. to uh, some of the rapping in Three Eleven's "All Mixed Up." Oh, I'm sure they listen to Ziggy Marley. I would think so. Three Eleven yeah. is. Um, very much a reggae-influenced band. You know what's crazy? Maybe when I when I was listening to it, I was like, who does this guy sound like? Maybe that's who I was thinking. And really, I should say that the other guy sounds like him. I don't even know the other guy's name. Which guy are we talking about? 311 guy. Talking about Nick Hexum? Hexum. You think that's like a fake witchcraft name? I mean, yes, it's a fake <laughs> witchcraft name, but it sounds like when you put it together, it's like putting sex and handsome together. Oh, Okay. And yeah. you're like, come on, that's a, it's hitting it's a good me name. over the head with it. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> oh, I was going to say he got me. He got you with his yeah. Hexum. I'm down, Hexum. Anytime. <laughs> he has the best abs. <laughs> this guy's like, oh my gosh, you know what? the abs. I, I've heard a Hexum. lot of 311, not because I was a super fan, but because one of my best friends in high school who had the car yeah. was a super fan. So I heard a lot of them as we uh-huh. drove around. I did not see his abs. He's got the abs. Yeah. I feel like it was the first time I ever realized that I was into abs. Oh. I saw this guy with his shirt off and I was like, wait, is this a thing? This is- <laughs> you thought you just discovered this new thing? No, I was like, how was I not caring about this I before? I have to tell all my friends about abs. <laughs> the thing that like guys could have, I was young. You know, that Do was you so think sexy. that um, Nick and the 311 boys, do you think that they modeled their abs after Ziggy and the... Uh, <laughs> the melody makers <laughs> heck some hell it almost killed him <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna pretend like i understand that joke <laughs> that's just such a fake last name yeah what about peanut that can't be a real name <laughs> who's peanut he's the bassist for 311 <laughs> i'm 311 obsessed you love 311 mm-hmm. it's hexam he put a hexam on you he did <laughs> his handsome sex can we get back to ziggy marley and the Sorry, melody makers i can't stop thinking about that guy's abs yeah let's let's talk about ziggy marley's abs okay i don't know what his abs look like that song 
I was singing it the entire time. I felt like it was really catchy. Look who's dancing. Oh, there you go. I, I could say right now I could not do it again. Yeah. It, it immediately left me. Well, if you remember the title, I think you've got it. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. So I you, did remember the title. So you're saying forgettable. Yeah. Not, mm. Like it felt like at first, like, yeah, I could sing along to this. And then immediately it was just like poof. It was like disappearing ink. Yeah. It could be a genre thing too to, for me. That's That's the thing. I'm also not really a reggae fan, and I always have to give this caveat when I talk about reggae songs. Or anything you're not like a oh, fan exactly. of in general. Exactly, anything I'm not a fan of in general. I say, you know what, I didn't really like this, but... I mean, it'd be the same thing if we were talking about like heavy metal. Like, yeah. I could pick out what I hate. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's good, right. really. But as far as music I like, I'm not going to be reaching for this. No. One either. Okay. When does Suzanne Vega... Is she going to hit the charts anytime soon? Reggae superstar, Suzanne Vega. I'm just totally switching gears. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get a reggae accent requesting some Suzanne Vega? Can we get some Suzanne Vega in here, man? Tom's diner. (laughs) (laughs) That's not bad, says the person who knows nothing about uh, Jamaican accents. Out there in podcast land, Mm -hmm. there are some... uh, some natural born Jamaicans who are either I'm very so furious sorry. right now or so or really <laughs> impressed. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna apologize. Okay. You know. Should we move on? Yeah. Let's keep going. After Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, another song came up, hit the number two spot. This is a band called The Ocean Blue. Mm-hmm. They were formed in Hershey, Pennsylvania. What? Yeah. Hershey. Yeah, the Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's two things that came from Hershey. <laughs> you know, Barbara Hershey. <laughs> the squirts. I can't. <laughs> no. So back to the Ocean Blue. Uh, these are some guys who met way back in middle school, started playing together, and... They got signed at a relatively young age. I think they won a radio contest to get some of their early songs played on the radio. Mm-hmm. And they got a three-record deal out of that. Three-record deal. The standard three-record deal. Yeah, when they were still... I've read that they were still in their teens, but I did a little math, and that doesn't seem to add up. I think they were in their early 20s. Mm. Um, but this song we're going to hear is off of their debut album, which is called, cleverly, The Ocean Blue. Mm. And the song we're going to hear is called... Between Something and Nothing. I don't know this song. You want to listen to it? Let's do it. Here we go. song sounds endlessly familiar yeah right it's crazy as soon as it started like that opening riff oh my gosh it sounds like an echo in the bunny men song i can't quite place or maybe like the church yeah i don't know and the whole time i keep waiting for it to do this thing that i'm expecting it to do. yeah like the chorus and the it doesn't chorus it just does that riff which is probably the catchiest part of the song but i feel like i liked it i kind of felt the same way 
I mean, I did, certainly didn't love it, but I, you know, it was pleasant enough. There was something about it that I liked, and there was the thing that I liked is probably that it sounds like other bands that I like. Yeah, I even kind of like that guitar solo. Yeah. I don't know. Everything sounds better when you close your eyes in the good pair of headphones. That's true. Do you know? I mean, it's easier to love. Mm-hmm. I feel like this song, it's what all the bands today want to sound like. Really? Yeah. Like if this song came out now, everyone would be like, this is the most amazing, great new thing. Like, this is it. This is like what we've all been trying to do. Wow. And it's like, this is it? And it's like, this sounds like ultimate hipster music to me, like right now. You know, I I think I know what you mean in a sense, because for whatever reason, it seems like a lot of indie bands shy away from writing hooks or catchy yeah. choruses or and things like that. And these guys sound just wimpy enough to not be intimidating. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy this type of music without jumping and dancing around too much. Sure. And you can just like look cool while liking it. And exactly, it's not like hooky, but it's just enough to go like, hey, what is that? Yeah, and there's nothing standing out enough to make people feel distasteful about it. Right. Yeah. Totally. But I mean, I feel like it's the epitome of nowadays indie rock, what it, what it wants to be. Mm. Like they're aspiring to be the ocean blue. That's interesting. Now the ocean blue clearly aspiring to be... Echo and the Bunnymen, to the point where the name of their band, I think, is inspired by Echo and the Bunnymen, right? Who oh, really? who released a song called Blue Blue Ocean. Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and later an album called Ocean Rain. They love the ocean. I yeah. mean, it's... Yeah, I do, I do like Ian McCulloch's voice better than this guy's. Um, sure, I mean, there's several reasons why Echo and the Bunnymen are who they are and these guys are who they are. Mm-hmm the ocean blue but it you know it's like you get to what i was gonna say you get to a copy of a copy of a copy and Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be sure what you want it to be no i do want to be fair to this band this is their first single off of their first album they're very young oh and and, oh this is the first taste of young people on the charts (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the first tastes yeah but still with a sound of some older people Mm -hmm. but you know i don't think it's fair to judge too harshly on early songs by young bands. I mean, they they will put out subsequent albums and develop their song, their sound, right. refine their sound further, and they will come into their own as their own band later. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to judge them harshly. Yeah. Was I? I was speaking for myself. Oh, I just meant like that's my initial response. Mm-hmm. There's something else I like about it just in the fact that they're American because uh-huh. this is a sound that we traditionally think of as a British sound. Well, right. And that's the thing too is that for, I think it was too like wussy or wimpy for Americans at that time. Mm-hmm. But now that's what all indie music is. Suffice to say, you're not a fan of modern indie music. Was that coming across? <laughs> <laughs> is that just because you're old? I'm old. I don't know anything cool anymore. I'm like, that all sounds the same. Echo These and the bunny man. today. Echo and the bunny man. Rip off. <laughs> yeah. Let's listen to our fourth and final song of the evening. So this song hit number 10 on the modern rock charts. It is by a band called Indio. And Indio is actually the band name of a Canadian singer-songwriter named Gordon Peterson, who released just one album, Big Harvest, in Mm -hmm. 1989. Following the, the modest success of this album, he retired from the music business, or at least from recording music, Whoa. apparently, because he felt like he was being compelled to do things by 
the industry that he did not want to partake in. Oh, interesting. At least that's what I read. Um, finding information on this band was actually pretty difficult as well. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't think too many listeners have heard of Indio, this being Indio's biggest hit and not really that big of a hit at that. Mm-hmm. But many of you probably know this song, Hard Sun, because it was covered by Eddie Vedder for the Into the Wild soundtrack back in 2007. Eddie Vedder, if you're listening, please be my boyfriend. <laughs> Still. Sure. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask you this. When did you first want Eddie Vedder to be your boyfriend? I was 13. Okay. So that was many moons ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Into the Wild, of course, was a movie directed by Sean Penn. This is actually interesting. This this band Indio by this singer-songwriter that m- most people have not heard of. It's interesting to me that... He featured some pretty notable musicians on this album. Hmm. David Rhodes, who was a guitarist for Peter Gabriel's band, he worked on this. And Joni Mitchell provided some backup mm-hmm. vocals on the album. When you don't know anyone in the industry, Joni Mitchell just comes over and does backup vocals. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> um, as well as notable Indian violinist L. Subramaniam. He's well known. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I know you're making fun, but take the time. Look up El Subramanium. Subramanium? Yes. Uh-huh. I think you will find that he is, in fact, a notable violinist. I'm sure he is. So, like I said, the song reached number 10 on the modern rock charts. But subsequently, the album, Big Harvest, went out of print. It's become something of a collector's item and has been known to go for upwards of $400 on eBay. Good grief. Just print some more. Well, thankfully, following the success of Eddie Vedder's cover version... Mm -hmm. um, Which I love. A Canadian label picked up the rights to the album and re-released it in Canada. So at least Canadian listeners out there have a, a shot at getting their hands on this. American listeners might be out of luck. I had a really hard time finding this, not just the CD, but because it's out of print, it's not available on iTunes. It's oh. not available on Amazon. You can't get a copy of the song. So we should just say Indio and the people who are in charge should release the song so someone can buy it. You know what? Let's put a little pressure on some American record labels right now. Yeah. American record labels... This is Modern Rock has a huge following, huge listenership. Yeah. I've got listeners out there. They want to purchase a copy of Indio's Hard Sun. Not possible. You don't have to release it on CD because we know no one's buying CDs, but get the rights, put it on iTunes, make yourself a few bucks. Make Indio a few bucks. That's right. Indio deserves a few bucks. For sure. It's this, a good song. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. I say, having never heard the original version. Yeah. I know the Eddie Vedder version is top notch let's listen to indio's <laughs> version how about that i want to hear it here we go once i talk an early grave to find a better land she just smiled and laughed at me and took her blues back again it's a dream, a big hot sun beating on the big people Loved it. Yeah, that was that was really good. It's really, really good. You know, I would say the reason that I picked this song to highlight this episode is because I knew the Eddie Vedder cover version and I really liked it. Love that one and too. I had never heard this version. And so, you know, that was my motivation. Yeah. But I almost wish that I had not heard the Eddie Vedder cover version yeah. because I want like 
the thought of being able to discover this song, like stumble upon it, it would have been so exciting. Of course. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the Eddie Eddie Vedder version is great and I love it. But when I heard that one, I thought the Eddie Vedder version is like a really straightforward cover. It's very similar. Yes. So they're saying like, we like everything about this song. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sing it. Yeah. You know, which is cool because the song is awesome exactly as it is. He sounds great. The way it's arranged, the whole instrumentation. They have like the woman coming in at the end singing that the Eddie Vedder version doesn't have. Right. Like like gospel-y, which I really liked also. Yeah. I feel like with the Eddie Vedder version that I never listened to the lyrics that hard. Mm -hmm. And then with this one, I just felt like it was was creating more imagery. And I don't know, it felt more vulnerable. Yeah, that's interesting that you feel that way because... Gordon Peterson actually sued Eddie Vedder okay. um, after Eddie Vedder released the cover version. He's like, I hate this. It sounds exactly like it. <laughs> no, no the, the reason was because Eddie Vedder actually did change a couple of the lyrics. I noticed that, actually. You did? Yeah. So, for instance, in the original version, Gordon Peterson says, when I stay to pillage her, she just throws it back in me. And Eddie Vedder changed some of that so that Instead of when I stay to pillage her, he says, I see her inner charm. She just throws it back at me. Oh, because the other one's like too sexy? Maybe. Maybe seems to pillage her, maybe, like yeah, rapey? Maybe seems a little rapey. I can see Eddie Vedder not wanting to go with that. He's like, pillage kind of sounds like she doesn't have any choice in the matter. Right. So Peterson felt that Eddie Vedder had, and I quote, eroded the integrity of the composition. And so he went to court and Eddie Vedder ended up winning the lawsuit. It was not deemed copyright infringement. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, um, it's a good song. I it know. is a good song. You know what I really like about it? That big thumping of drum. Course. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you like that. Yeah. That's the thing that people love. That's the thing to like about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's other things to like about it, though. Yeah, but that's like the standout. Mm-hmm. If we're going to list the top five things to like about it. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, Indio actually appeared in a Simpsons episode. <laughs> no, he didn't. He might have. I mean, this what were they on, like season 35 okay, or something? So here's the thing. Here's what's also sad. I feel like he put this album out and it was like his heart and his soul, mm-hmm. right? Like those lyrics, the whole thing just seems, like I said, really vulnerable. He says there's a big hard sun beating on the people in this big hard world. And you're like, yeah, damn, life's hard uh-huh. it's hard to be human yeah and then he gave up on the music business yes and, and uh, that was it he was like I, I that's all i needed to say forget you guys yeah <laughs> okay well that was our four songs for yeah. the week any thoughts i thought we listened to a lot of good songs yeah you know mostly <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were very different y- you know what the variety was really fun yeah i think so all of them were enjoyable honestly mm-hmm. sure in their own way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for listening. If you would like to ask a question or send a comment, you can reach me at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and good luck with Flora Majora. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.